Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Movie Spiel. It has been far too long since we have been able to come to you from a remote location somewhere deep in the hills of Monongalia County, deep red Monongalia County. I think you guys probably thought we were lost to COVID at this point. We're still here. We're dead. Um, it's from the un- afterlife. Unfortunately, it is not a good situation where we live at the moment. Uh, the return of college students to West Virginia University exacerbated a situation here in Morgantown and Monongalia County mm-hmm. that has resulted in uh, a lot of things being and, and shut down and bars being closed. And unsurprisingly, and probably for the best, and and uh, where I work, there's a mandatory mask policy. Same. Um, as in most locations. Yep. Um, to be fair, we could have done this remotely, but Alex left this, uh, let, he forgot a cable at my house one time, so I had to keep it for a month. That's true. So anyway, this is the movie spiel. This is episode seven. Uh, this is the penultimate episode of season one. We're talking about biopics. We're talking about films based on a true story, mm-hmm. which in this case, Ryan and I have agreed that those are not the same thing. Nope. So should we should we should probably talk about like the, the difference between these, right? Exactly. Like, uh, I there is I feel like there is a clear difference between biopic and based on a true story. Now, obviously, based on a true story can be stretched out to all kinds of different and, things. And in fact, a biopic can be based on a true story, mm-hmm. but based on a true story doesn't have to be a biopic. Nope, sure doesn't. And that's why we're separating the two. Um, like I was watching uh, Black Klansman, and at the beginning of Black Klansman, it says this is based on some faux show faux show shit which is badass that movie's so great it's very apparently what from what i read that movie is very close to how it was but you know a lot of the tapes a lot of the recordings a lot of the 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 stuff that the dude had um ended up he lost or i don't know it's like they're going by one guy's version of everything i'm not defending the kkk in the fucking least (laughs) i'm just saying um there's only so much you can go by with a lot of them but you could also say uh you know something like uh what the fuck am i thinking of uh like goodfellas Mm -hmm. now granted when we first came up with the concept of this episode i totally forgot that goodfellas is a biopic essentially i I did as well actually because you're right it actually is i've always thought of it as a mob film Uh but it really is a biopic about Uh i mean yes it is also a mob film yes but it is a biopic it is a biopic anyway no so uh based on a true story can take elements of uh of something that is true and just kind of throw it all in there some of them are absolutely not very factually accurate at all. Right. Like, remember the Titans. Yeah. Great no, movie. That's an excellent they example. They warped that whole story all to shit. Yeah, the head, the head coach that Denzel plays was pretty much hated for many other reasons by by both black and white players. Yeah, barely... and a lot of the schools were already integrated. Right, right. It's, I mean, I like the movie, though. The movie itself is a great it, football movie. It's an uplifting movie. It's actually, it's one of the best, foot, so what's that's, funny is, and we, do, we really should do an episode on sports films. I will say, it's actually one of the best sports films. Yeah. Uh, and and arguably, from a football film perspective, there are a lot of bad football movies. Yeah. But remember, The Titans is a really good It's one of the movie. good ones. Right. Yes. It is a very good football it movie. It might be the best. It um, it's be. up there. It's, it's up, up there. There's a couple that... Sure. Are. And that's, you know... It- that movie, but factually, the the, the T.C. Williams High Schools are... It, it, yeah, no, no, those, you're right about the integration. All the schools, all that, it's, it's all kind of a bunch of hooey. But, um... No, so then like a biopic would be like like Walk the Line, I consider a true biopic. Yeah. Ray is a true biopic. Absolutely. Starts when they're children, yeah. goes into adulthood. Even though they hit a certain age and even though they age over the course of years and years, they still look exactly the same. You know, um, <laughs> like I'm just a 15 year old boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, one of the one of the films that I chose not to do uh, because I think it kind of straddles the fence between biopic and and based on true stories. I'm not there. Yeah. Is the, the Dylan film. 
Well, is it your belief then that folk music has perchance failed to achieve its goals with the Negro cause or the cause of peace? You know, saying cause of peace is just like saying like a hunk of butter. You know, I, I don't know how you can listen to anybody who wants you to believe is dedicated to the hunk and not the butter. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Todd Haynes, I think, directed. Yep. And so I was so excited. So this this was I was my freshman year of college, and I was so excited. The first trailer came out my first semester here, um, and I remember thinking how awesome, how absolutely awesome it looked. And so I will say, um, I've seen it twice. Mm -hmm. I, once in theaters at the Princeton Garden Theater, an independent theater in Princeton, New Jersey, which was awesome. Saw it with all of my friends. The ones who were really big Dylan fans were on sort of my level, at, at, like in terms of like really liking it. And the mm -hmm. ones who were like just trying to see a good movie were like, I'm not sure what I just watched. And that's because like the concept is pretty wacky. It's seven yeah. different people playing six different versions of Bob Dylan, but none of them are actually named Bob Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty wacky. Uh, the soundtrack's amazing, by sure. the way. I we highly had the soundtrack in rotation. We did. We at did our, at our radio station. And, and, and it's so funny when I see. You know, it's so funny when I see um, now. You, you know, so many of those musicians, um, Stephen Malkmus and Anthony and the Johnsons, who wind up in rotation. They wind up on college radio stations. Yep. Their music, um, and of course, they're like you know they're covering Dylan songs on that on that album um Eddie Vedder I think uh, yeah. covers a song on that album so yeah so it just and because I don't want to and I don't want to spoil I'm not there um in terms of what I have to say about it just that it's a wacky film it's an odd film and it just didn't feel like it fit the spirit of what we're doing with this even though I know all those characters are Bob Dylan right but if you sat down a random person who doesn't know anything about Bob Dylan I'm not sure by the end of that film they come away knowing that that is somehow a Bob Dylan story. But if you sit a random person down and doesn't know anything about Johnny Cash or anything about Ray Charles, by the end of those films, yep. you you do know something about those people. Sure, sure. Hence, is it really a biopic? Also, um, we wanted to omit the greatest biopic of all time, which is Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> that fucking movie, uh, absolutely. I can't watch Walk the Line or Ray ever again because – or even I'm not there. It like fucks with that, and that was really really new. Because I'm not there. I think was Actually, in theaters well, at the same time. No, I think Walk Hard might predate by a couple of months. So they knew that movie was coming out. Yeah, and they do the black and white yeah. shit just to fuck with them, which is so great. That movie's so fucking great. Uh, some people are saying that your new music sounds a lot like Bob Dylan. Well, maybe Bob Dylan sounds a lot like me. You know how come nobody ever asked Bob Dylan why you sound so much like Dewey Cox? Mailboxes drip like lampposts in the twisted birth canal of the Coliseum. Rim job fairy teapots mask the temper tantrum. Oh, say, can you see them? Step really, though, though, that movie is like just endlessly quotable and wonderful. So that's the greatest biopic of all time and has some of the best uh, cameos of all time and has some of the best, uh, just the best comedic delivery. So okay, anyway. so uh, so the point is though is that um, we feel like biopics is really a centered around a person, centered around one person specifically, or maybe you know whatever relationship they are, and then spanning years, yeah. following that person basically. The f movie that I picked is Coal Miner's Daughter from 1980. It's uh, starring Sissy Spacek as Loretta Lynn, the first lady of country music, directed by Michael Apted. Ladies and gentlemen, back with us once again, the first lady of country music, the coal miner's daughter, Miss Loretta Lynn.
your holler We were poor but we had love That's the one thing I will tell you I have never seen Coal Miner's Daughter but I would totally see it just for a younger Tommy Lee Jones because it's hard for me to imagine Tommy Lee Jones is anything other than the ornery old man he's been since The Fugitive Fuck he looked old then He did He's always looked old I mean he does look young He looks like a like he literally looks like he had a facelift, like a like a like a like Botox. Right. Tommy Lee Jones plays her uh, abusive alcoholic husband uh, and manager Doolittle Lynn, and then Beverly D'Angelo. Beverly D'Angelo plays Patsy Cline, and uh, Levon Helm from the band mm-hmm. plays uh, Loretta, Loretta Lynn's father, and uh, no, just portrays her life from her teenage years to when she meets Doolittle, and then uh, you know just moves away with him at a very young age, married at a very young age, had kids at a very young age, and then eventually uh, becomes, and we'll discuss it here in a sec, she becomes the quote-unquote first lady of country music. Yeah, what do you, what do you think prompted you to pick, uh, of, of all the uh, things you could have picked, because mm-hmm. we've you know, seen a lot of biopics, they became very popular, which is why Dewey Cox exists in the first place. This is true. So why Coal Miner's Daughter? Uh, Coal Miner's Daughter, because it's a movie with a lot of charm. Um, I find it very easy to get through. You know, you can look at it like it hasn't aged very well. You know, not that it's aged well or it's aged poorly. It's just like if that movie came out nowadays, they'd touch on everything she did about, you know, just, you know, her her expression of feminism, her expression of, you know, of that in songs like The Pill and Rated X, which of these things are not mentioned at all in the movie. It only goes up to basically when she had her meltdown and then came back. And, um, you know, just the exhaustion that she's faced her entire life. And then by the end, you know, she, she was married at 14, had her first or 13, had her first kid at like 14. She had like four kids by the time she was 20. Like, wow. dude, she just her and Doolittle made fucking babies. That's what they did. And they moved out way far away from uh, from Butcher Holler and in, uh, in uh, Kentucky. And, um, you know, one day he comes home drunk on their anniversary and he bought her a guitar. And said, I'm proud of you when you sing. And he got her to sing in a honky-tonk. What the hell are you doing running off and hiding like a... Don't make me get up there and sing, Luke. Please, I'm sick. Oh, hell, you're not going to have to get up there and sing. Oh, boy, I wouldn't allow it. Thank the Lord. You're going to have to audition for him in the morning. I ain't no singer, do I can't sing for no strangers. Yes, yes you can. I done fixed it up you for you. You can ask me nothing about it. How the hell can I ask you something about it if you're running off and hiding like a stupid hell? Don't hell call me that. Make you ignorant, but I ain't stupid. And she wrote her, you know, she she got noticed. They went around to some radio stations. They really fucking put the work in. And she ended up becoming very, very famous. The, the whole movie is just impressive to me. You know, things that I really appreciate about it. Sissy Spacek and Beverly D'Angelo do their own singing. And it's impressive as hell. The The soundtrack is phenomenal. It's not easy to do. A vo- I can't imagine it's easy for somebody to imitate uh, and sound exactly like like Patsy Cline, who had a very unique voice. Beverly D'Angelo kills it. Like, when you're listening to Joaquin Phoenix to um, Johnny Cash. I remember Roger Ebert at the time said, I closed my eyes and I couldn't tell who I was listening to. And it's like, bullshit. It, sound, it doesn't sound like Johnny Cash. It sounds like somebody trying to sound like Johnny Cash singing like Johnny Cash. And he did a really good job. And I, yeah. I, I, I commend him for figuring it all out and learning how to play guitar and everything to do that. But these two are already natural singers, mm-hmm. but they also had like 
because Sissy Spacek is from Texas, she already has kind of a twang in her voice. Right. And uh, and she's able to to really hone that into that butcher holler sound and really sound like Loretta. You know, I can't believe Loretta Lynn is still alive. She's like ninety. Yeah, uh, eighty eight years old. Yep. Um, 88 years old. And uh that's incredible. And then it, it, it's just they really they really they really tried. It's a very earnest movie. You can tell they really put their best effort forward and it just it shows her outgoing personality, her close friendship friendship with Pat, Patsy Cline, Patsy Cline's ultimate death, which is sad as shit and that scene's hard. Um I, but it really mainly centers on her contentious relationship with Doolittle. And it's it's that's that's what makes the movie timeless, even though you know it came out in 1980 and it ends like I guess in 1970 ish. But mm-hmm. it's just it's it's just a really really fucking good movie. And also, um, just so you know, is uh, Sissy Spacek did start did have a have a one album music career after this, and she did a great cover of Hank Williams Senior's Honky Tonkin. You should okay. listen to it. Um, so I'm I, I for my uh, biopic that I want to uh, chat about with you, Ryan. I picked uh, Milk. Starring Sean Penn and directed by Gus Van Zandt. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. So I've now seen it three times. Yeah. And uh, I re- I've actually, so funny enough, I watched it a couple months ago, just on a whim, you know, going through, it was free on Prime, so I watched it. Um, and then I decided months later that I was going to pick it for this, and so I watched it again. A couple things stick out to me. I think this is a serious contender for Gus Van Zandt's best. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, it's really close. Obviously, um, uh, Goodwill Hunting is yeah. That probably edges it out just a bit, it's, just for its legendary status. Yeah, and infinite quotability. Yeah, it's it's tight for me. Um, I don't know. There's there's something. Goodwill Hunting is so meta now that it's it's hard for like Milk is kind of timeless. It is. In, in fairness. So um, one of the great things about Milk, a couple of really impressive things about it. One is is how historically accurate it is. It's one sure. of the most historically accurate biopics you're ever going to find. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend checking that out. One of the big criticisms, and maybe the only big criticism, is the fact that it it shows it as more of a, um, and this is against a biopic, but it is more of a story that's very oriented around his not only his sexuality, but also his supporters' sexuality. Mm-hmm. And when, in fact, Harvey Milk actually had widespread support and had a really seriously diverse coalition of supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's maybe not as touched on in the film. Outside of that, it is wildly accurate. Um, the performances in Milk are really, really strong. I mean, yeah. Emil Hirsch is, is channeling channeling something special in that one. Yeah, oh, he's Jones. great. And of course, it helps that Cleve Jones, the real Cleve Jones, is actually still alive. Yes. And I'm sure if it's possible, Emil Hirsch could have gotten some, oh, sure. some feedback from Cleve on what he was like uh, in have... the late 70s and early 80s. In Barcelona, there was this memorial march for gay people that had died under Franco. And of course, the police tried to break it up, but these queens didn't run, no. They turned around and they started a fucking riot. James Franco is terrific. Uh, He's he's got great character development throughout. He's a scene stealer. Um, even the character, like so. Uh, there, first of all, there's a that guy in this one, uh, Stephen Spinella, which mm-hmm. I love because uh, he's that guy in another film we're going to talk about. Yes, he is. He actually, has a bigger role probably in the film that we'll yeah, talk about, about later. the same. Yeah, it's close. Um, but he's a total that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor Garber is another that guy. Yeah, who's, yeah. In, who's in Milk? Um, a lot of people probably remember him from uh, uh, Legally Blonde. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember him from Titanic. He was the guy. He the was in Titanic. Titanic. Yes, That's very. The first yeah. thing I, and uh, that show Alias. Yeah, uh, Dennis O'Hare, another that guy. Yep. Uh, John Briggs, the state senator. Anyway, so getting away from the cast. And Allison second, Pill. Though. Also, Allison Pill is marvelous as she's the wonderful. real life and Cronenberg. Yep. Um, she's great. And Diego Luna is in this, and and he does a great job with a pretty shitty part. Sure. Probably the weakest part of the film is, is Jack Lira, his mm-hmm. his second portrayed lover on screen. Yeah. Um relationship is probably the better term because it's really it's not like a one night thing it's like right. a, it's a relationship right so right so, so he has two two long-term relationships in the film uh yeah. the first is is james franco's uh-huh. uh scott smith who's the real scott smith passed away yes um of aids related complications i think in the 90s and then mm-hmm. his uh, second one is, is diego luna's jack lira mm-hmm. um who i think was um in some way abused and, and there's a whole little subplot about how harvey milk you know needs to save people and that's sort of the reason they're together but mm-hmm. but so um Sean Penn's really mostly very good in this, and there's an interesting, uh, there's kind of an interesting juxtaposition between Sean Penn in the the parts of the film. The spine of the film is is him uh, recreating the life and times of Harvey Milk, the documentary. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a real life audio tape that Harvey Milk recorded in the event of his assassination. Which, of course, if you know anything about history, uh, the real life Harvey Milk was 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 murdered in an assassination uh, plot that. Um, I don't necessarily think it had anything to do with his sexuality. I think it was more of a retribution thing because Dan, the real life Dan White, was bitter, bitter asshole. Yeah, he was bitter um, and jealous. Right. So, um, but so Sean Penn basically uh, takes the time to recreate the, the audio tape, and it's really well done. It's really compelling. Again, it is the spine of the film. At times, it's a bit of a storytelling crutch, but it is really effective. Mm-hmm. He's great during that. That and, and I know there's some people who are like, well, he's just like talking into a little. Like you know, he's talking into a, a recorder. Like who cares? It, it it's hard to describe because it's just so intimate, mm-hmm. and it's so like I feel like he's letting his guard down in those moments where he's just having a conversation with whoever is get, willing to listen. And mm-hmm. so I really liked that. What I thought was odd was how much more flamboyant he was um, when he was not doing that mm-hmm. you know you know why though well it's so, sean penn well yeah so so i, I have <laughs> i have a couple you. of theories the one is that it's possible that maybe this is a really three-dimensional portrayal of harvey milk and maybe in this case what they're saying with this portrayal of harvey milk is okay so harvey was a was a performer when he was in front of people but when he was just you know intimate and alone and, and with his own thoughts the performance you know the real harvey came out and maybe that's what they were saying there was one criticism I read of this performance that I kind of I can see a little bit that that Sean Penn's performance and you know I think he won an Oscar for, he did, for this his second um uh, was a little I am Sam there's a little a little I am Sam is exactly what I'm getting in there at. uh and I can see that I can totally see that I think by and large he's really good he is he's really good he's very good out. he does but Sean Penn that's my only criticism I've ever had of Sean Penn I who the fuck am I to criticize an actor? But that's what we do here in the movie spiel. I mean, yeah, come on. We're, he's a rich, famous, powerful actor who will kind always of be more accomplished sometimes. than me. And he's kind of an asshole sometimes. It's fine. But <laughs> what Robert Downey Jr. had to say about Sean Penn, I am Sam, in the movie Tropic Thunder. Is dead on. Never go for a retard. You don't buy that? Yeah, Sean Penn, 2001, I am Sam. Remember? Went for a retard. Went home empty-handed. And that does actually doesn't matter what you're playing. You have to scale back just a little bit. Right. And that's my thing about Sean Penn. The guy, I never thought Sean Penn was a nuanced actor. I never thought there was, um, like, 
He won the he won his first Academy Award. I think it was like his fifth nomination for a movie called Mystic River, mm-hmm. which is a good movie. Yeah, and it's a good performance. He beat Bill Murray for our, for Lost in Translation. Now right. I understand when people say that Lost in Translation was a lifeless bore. Uh, <laughs> you're fuck him. You're, fuck him. Fuck him. You're incorrect. Uh, maybe you have to be in the right headspace to watch it. Me, uh, when I when I declared that to be my favorite movie, I was single and slightly depressed. And watching, I watched the movie with with half a bottle of tequila and a full pack of cigarettes. And I'm just like, God damn it! I'm feeling this shit. I feel that lonesomeness um, and that need for companionship because whatever. I was a basket case, but. Um, Bill Murray's performance in that he holds back quite a lot. He that's his best performance by far, and it's and it's very subtle. Sean Penn has never been subtle in his fucking life. Not in any performance I've ever seen of mm-hmm. his. Um, not in Dead Man Walking. Definitely not in I Am Sam. You know, even even Spicoli, man. You ever see Fast Times at Ridgemont Oh yeah, High? yeah. He's, hey, he's, bud. Like right. he's over the top. Surfer. Yeah, I love. I love that. I love that. I enjoy so. Sean Penn. Yeah. But there are times when I'm just like, I get it. But Harvey Milk, I would say that is probably his best performance. Best straight up. He he was more reserved in that movie. I was born of heterosexual parents taught by heterosexual teachers in a fiercely heterosexual society. So why then am I homosexual? And no offense meant, but if it were true that children mimic their teachers, we'd have a hell of a lot more nuns running around. <laughs> I feel, I feel like he he, uh, he was subtle, he was quieter, he wasn't as out there. And I get what he was doing when he was on literally on his soapbox and he's and he's making, you know, I'm here I'm our, I'm right. Harvey Milk and I'm here to recruit you. Right. Like that he had to be like that. Right. Because he had to get his message across to people. Right. Yeah. I just it makes me wonder if if again, is this a layered textured decision or is this Sean Penn just saying, Fuck it, I'm gonna just go, it's Sean go Penn. all the way in on this thing. So I, I dude, I that is my opinion that it's right. Sean Penn just being Sean Penn. So I, I think I think mostly the film is really good. Mm-hmm. I think that it is a really, really great history lesson sure. for um I mean you're not if you took an American history class and honestly probably most history classes you're not going to get a really good history lesson of the of the gay rights movement. No. Um, Maybe certainly, nowadays. certainly not. Uh, you're not going to get a good history lesson of the gay rights movement pre 2000. No, I mean, definitely yeah. not. Nah, Any I'm, high schoolers listening, uh, please let us know if that's something that they touch upon. Right? Yeah, I, I, I am genuinely. I curious. highly doubt it. Like, I didn't know who Harvey Milk was until I saw the movie. I didn't either. And, and then, of course, I did see it when it came out in, in 2008. But yep. this is one of the more impressive things about Gus Van Zandt because sometimes, you know, look with great directors, sometimes they they swing a little too hard. Mm-hmm. And Gus Van Zandt actually has had a couple of instances where certainly he has swung a little too hard. Um, I actually did like Promised Land in 2012, but swung a little too hard. Promised Land had issues. Third act was really bad. Uh, I didn't love Elephant. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't crazy about it. Elephant was hard to get through. Those that one in like Last Days and yeah. shit. Like and then, that's him. And just... then there was like the shot for shot remake of Psycho, which uh, was like, what is happening here? Uh, I don't know. So, so my point, is, <laughs> my point is this though: like with every great director, they're gonna sometimes they're going to swing for the fences and they're gonna come up with a bit of a dud. Right. What I like about this film is I love the way that even though he's not the writer on this one, the way it's structured, so you have the spine of it being. You know Sean Penn in this, uh, or I'm sorry, Harvey Milk, uh, uh, with this very intimate conversation he's having with really whoever's willing to listen. But then the other part of it is this, this you know, the larger context of 
uh, these equal rights ordinances, essentially, and and um, the ability for uh, uh, you know the challenge to be able to fire someone for being gay, um, which is a very still a very real issue today. Um, one of the biggest civil rights issues, not the biggest, but definitely one of the biggest civil rights issues in the United States today. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, um, you know, and and this is why one of the reasons I love the the Harvey Milk. Uh, conversation with himself is that he actually says, you know, we were really afraid that we were going to lose this thing because they were losing everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they were losing these battles in Kansas and in Minnesota, and and they're um, they're they're again some things that you don't think about as a straight white kid growing up in the suburbs in a reasonably privileged environment. You know, mm-hmm. the idea that Harvey Milk once fielded a phone call from a from a a gay teenager who's in a wheelchair who's going to kill himself mm-hmm. because his parents wanted to, him to have what do they call it? Chemical, hor- horrible practice. Either chemical the, castration. Well, either chemical castration or, or they were going to do therapy. Uh, conversion therapy. Yeah, I think that's was. what they were going to do is conversion therapy, um, which is a horrific, absolutely, like, it's even yeah. worse than chemical castration. It is a it is a destructive practice. But, you know, the idea that, that Sean Penn or Harvey Milk is receiving this phone call, um, it really adds to the stakes mm-hmm. of the film. You really actually feel those stakes. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think it's really, really well done um, because it's still an issue today. And it would, did that win solve everything? No, absolutely not. But it is actually an opportunity to kind of witness um, a little bit of how really strong progressive mm-hmm. rallying action can get together you, and actually function and win. You were saying that you hadn't heard of Harvey, Harvey Milk until then. I hadn't either. I actually thought, though, I was more surprised that it took place in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I figured something like that would have been late 80s, early 90s. Right. Oh, and you know, uh, that's the other thing about how this, early that was. How great the set pieces, though, are. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it, it, it is. Um, All those muted colors. Yeah. <laughs> they did a really, architect, really, really good job of recreating. And, yeah. Oh I, I, now, okay. I say that with my impression of what I think the 70s in San Francisco probably looked well, just like. Just watch Dirty Harry. It yeah. actually is pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I w- see Dirty yeah, Harry? I have. I have. Okay. I, it's very close to that. Yeah. I, w- I would like to hear from someone who lived through like, Let me get Cleve Jones on the phone. Let's here. call that guy. Good and uh, Cleve, let me know if that's what it looked like. Because right. I, I, my perception of Gus Van Zant was this guy is so detailed, uh-huh. he's going to hit on these details. Well, I have another question. Okay, so so I know this is your pick for for biopic, but Sean Penn did win the Academy Award for it. Do you think he deserved it over Mickey Rourke and the Wrestler? I do not. I do not either. I do not. So uh, Sean Penn's really fucking good in this. Uh-huh. Mickey Rourke and the Wrestler transcending. Was, yeah, this is that the is, argument that I like to make is that the yeah. like if, when you look think about like in sports you have the most valuable player and how mm-hmm. they just usually kind of give it to the best player on the best team. Yeah, never the most valuable. Mickey Rourke would be the most valuable actor mm-hmm. of of that. Like I don't think the Wrestler makes it without Mickey Rourke. No, right? Like no. Like if if you put so I'm trying to think of who would equip like you put John Travolta in that role. Oh God, right? I just can't see it. I can't see because Marissa Tomei is really good. In, She's in the great wrestler. in it. I can't see that film working without uh, Mickey Rourke. No, and so that's why I would have given him. I absolutely would have given him the Oscar. Oh, he should have got it. So um, did you realize Josh Brolin was actually nominated? Because I yeah, I, I don't understand why. Either. Yeah, because it's weird. Like, he's not bad as Dan White, and he's actually he brings the character to life. Hey, Harv. Uh, committee meets at nine thirty. Hey, you guys. Um, say, did you get the invitation to my son's christening? I invited a few of the other soups too. Oh well, I'll be there. Great, thanks. But it's I mean, fine. He's, he's better as Thanos. <laughs> yeah, I think he delivered a better performance as Thanos. Was it, the real question was he was he better as Agent K in Men in Black Three? Yes. 
Anyway. All right. So anyway, that's biopics. Um, and there's a lot of other good ones that uh, we've seen. I, I think I would technically consider 12 Years a Slave a biopic. Uh, yeah, I can um, see that. It really is centered around Solomon Northrup. Yep. Um, and believe it or not, I did not know this. It was actually not the first depiction of his story on screen. Um, oh. PBS did a film version in the 80s, apparently. Oh, okay. uh, Who played him? Oh God, I have to go back and oh, double okay, check. Okay, never mind. Don't I don't, even. I, I don't, some I have some no dude. Idea. Yeah, like I don't think I've ever heard of him, and I doubt you have either. And <laughs> yeah. I know you. You know a lot. We but, know. We know. Uh, but so anyway, I, I I did think about Twelve Years a Slave. Um, maybe a little too late, but it's really fucking good. Watch and, that. It's yeah, a great it's, one. So it's like, again, if you haven't seen it, it's mm-hmm. required viewing. You only so, and, you only need to see it once. It is fucking masterful filmmaking. Yeah. Um, and I, I would be on my, it, it's, it was on my short list for this conversation. Sure. And I would say the same goes for, uh, for Schindler's list. And I'm going to transition this into our, uh, based on a true story. Right. My, uh, favorite based on a true story is Lincoln. Abolishing slavery by constitutional provision settles the fate for all coming time. Not only of the millions now in bondage of unborn millions to come from 2012 directed by steven spielberg starring daniel day lewis who is truly that is the definition of a generational actor transitioned by the fact that i transitioned this is because steven spielberg has directed both those movies obviously but the original cast uh, the the original person cast for um as abraham lincoln was uh liam neeson he was originally cast sally field was attached to the movie for a long time and liam neeson was supposed to be doing it and then i think he ended up dropping out i think his wife passed away and then everything just got kind of pushed a lot of craziness happened but they ended up getting daniel day lewis which is just that is a home run and then uh tommy lee jones who's in both of my picks yeah and uh sally field tommy lee jones plays thaddeus stevens he's the radical republic republican congressman from uh pennsylvania it's actually my second favorite tommy lee jones performance um after uh men in black yeah yes doolittle is is down the list a bit but um <laughs> from from Carolina's daughter but anyway sally field plays mary todd lincoln abraham lincoln's wife and joseph gordon levitt is robert todd who's lincoln. not in this movie uh i have a i have okay here's my thing because like you realize you're adam drivers in this oh oh, i'm gonna go through this okay adam fucking driver is in this fucking like and it's just like where what oh that was this was back when he when girls was like kind of first on the air right he wasn't really i know it's it's weird when you go back and watch it it was only three years yeah from star wars right which is crazy so anyway um steven spielberg and the casting for this the casting people for this movie uh did a really good job with balancing out all that talent like here's what's up daniel day lewis is the star at the center of a solar system okay and all the planets, all the asteroids, all the comets orbiting it is the rest of the cast in this movie. Now you have Tommy Lee Jones, who holds his own because he's fucking Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. He's amazing. He's really good. Sally Field holds her own. All three of these nominated for Oscars. Daniel Day-Lewis obviously won. It was his third win. Um, those two are like Saturn and Jupiter, right? Big ass fucking gas giants. They Heavy hitters. Heavy They're, hitters. Yeah. Everybody else is just whatever else thrown out there, but that you needed all of it to balance this solar system out. I'm going to go down a big-ass list. It's an amazing it's an amazing cast. The whole bunch of that guys and that girl, like all these people in this movie. Every da- time you mention a that guy, I'm going to say that guy okay. or that girl. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> David Strathairn as yep. William Seward, Secretary of State. Hal Holbrook. It was amazing. The legendary the Hal Holbrook. Legendary who, who is, Hal Bro- Holbrook. He, is, he is in my recommendation. Like, uh-huh. 
He's one of the major characters He's in my great. recommendation. Um, Bruce McGill is Edwin Stanton, Secretary mm-hmm. of War. Uh, that guy. That's an actual, that's from our That Guy series. That's right. Jeremy Strong, who I'm a big fan of. Yeah. He's, uh, he's great in the show he's, Su- yeah, Succession. Yeah, he's, he's up for an Emmy for it. Wasn't he in- um, He was in uh, The Big Short. Big Short, yeah. He's fucking that's great right. in that. He's that's a smaller right. part, but he's great. Um, Lee Pace as Fernando Wood. Uh, a uh, uh, the the Democratic segregationist wing of of Congress, right? Uh, former mayor or future mayor, I forget the timeline in history. I think he's former mayor of New York City. Um, Michael Stolbarg, uh, Boris MacGyver, who Boris MacGyver was. Um, He's he was like that editor in House of, guy Cards. in House of Cards. Yeah, uh, and and I love the Michael Stuhlbarg. Uh, he has the funniest line in the whole movie, and it's like the most effective oh, line. Where it's uh, uh yeah, yeah. Howard does that it. is fucking that is yeah. one of the fu- funniest lines I'm, in the movie. I'm still going at Walton Goggins. Fucking that guy elevates everything he's in. Oh, shoot me dead. I'm yeah, okay. That's right. <laughs> Adam Driver, as Samuel yep. Beckwith. Um, Jared Harris, son of the great Richard Harris. And we were just talking about before we started recording, we we're talking yep. about um, I can't get Britney to watch uh, uh, Chernobyl, which he is the lead. Yeah, of. he's the lead in it. Jared Harris was also really, really good in Mad Men. Uh, he plays Ulysses S. Grant. Jackie Earl Haley, who is a spitting image and very well cast as the vice president of the Confederate States of America, Alexander Stevens. Yeah, he has, oh, I don't why know, does, like I, one I scene? Two, and they're really good. And I don't understand why Jackie Earl Haley always gets cast as such creepy fucks. <laughs> creepy, he's kind of an odd looking dude. I mean, he did play Satch or whatever in The Watchmen. He right. was w- wonderful in this great movie called uh, Little Children. Um, yeah, he was I really mean, he was, he really was good. a child. He was a child right, molester. but he was. I mean, I, but I don't he, think he's a child molester. No, no, not in real. Obviously, right. he was up for an Oscar for. It's, it's just his character was insanely. Right. He was such a good actor in that. Steven Spinella, yeah, as one of the radical Republicans. The three, um, the three uh, lobbyists. That's James Spader, John Hawks. Tim Blake Nelson. My favorite uh, <laughs> parts, really, of the movie are the little montages of them trying to yeah. secure votes. Yeah. The one guy fucking loading his little musket pistol. What a difference the uh, oh guns my... of the 19th century were. Oh, uh, shit. Really gives so you good. the time to reconsider whether you want you want um, to commit that murder. In, in the beginning of the movie, you've got Lucas Haas and Dane DeHaan, two of the white soldiers, mm-hmm. trying their best to recite the, the Gettysburg Address to Lincoln. And also, then David Oyelowo is in that David scene. David Oyelowo and Coleman Domingo are... And David, he, he he knocks it out of the park, of course, because he's because he's a fantastic actor. Recites the the rest of the deck, uh, the rest of the um, Gettysburg Address, and then Bill Camp and Elizabeth Marvel as uh, they're actually Amer- they're actually married in real life. They played Mister and Mrs. Jolly. They visited uh, um, they visited uh, the president at the beginning of the movie, talking mm-hmm. about some. President Monroe gave this to my granddaddy. Blah, right. blah. But those people, those that are- was actually really good. By the way, that was really clearly you've seen the movie a lot. I that, fucking that was love Lincoln. Yeah, it's great. This movie's so great to watch. It's damn near perfect retelling of the final months of Lincoln's life. Very, the very winding down of the Civil War, the passing of the Thirteenth Amendment. But which so, t- so touch on that though, because this is why this is not a biopic, though. So the, right. this is the important distinction. It is only a few months of his life. It and is the last specifically. What? Well, specifically. The few months of his life are about something that's not. It's not just him, right? It covers He's a central character. He is the central character of an ensemble, and they did with all these that like all these character actors that Steven Spielberg got to to basically balance out the acting prowess of of Daniel Day Lewis. And this is his. I, it's so hard for me to decide what's more charismatic, this or Daniel Plainview. Mm-hmm. Like Daniel Day Lewis has thrown. He's. I mean, he's had a few duds. I mean, I'm not gonna mm. lie. Nine was not. 
I, I saw part of it and it wasn't that good. Last of the Mohicans is fine. It's not like I watched that movie for his acting, whatever. Isn't that a Michael Mann movie too? Last of that Mohicans. is that is a Michael um, Mann movie. You know, he's really good in uh, My Left Foot. That was his first Oscar win. But that's something that a lot of people don't really think about anymore because it's just it was literally over thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. That was in the eighties. But um, but no, you have to have all of this in order to to just balance out the charisma and Abe Lincoln. To his Abe Lincoln in real life was very charismatic, very well liked, very popular um, in the North, and uh, and he was always very charming and very funny, and always had a story. And they and they 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 pick that shit apart in the in in the uh, in the movie. Like, wait, are you are you telling a story again? I don't have time for another story, <laughs> Mister President. That was Bruce McGill's line, yes, right? It's yeah, so fucking good. And then the little the little bits of history that are that are accurate, like uh, like Tad Lincoln. The the young son, the him running amok in the White House. Um, Link is having a cabinet meeting. His son just runs up and puts his arms around him, and he's just hanging on him, and he's still going about his day, like going about his meeting. That shit happened. Literally had a donkey more than once, like you know, basically a sleigh ride with a donkey, and and Tad's like being pulled out in the, in, the, in the middle of the White House right, floor, right. and and the, the the guy is just like, don't encourage this. Like that shit happened. <laughs> There's documented evidence uh, of this. So, I, so I, I'm curious about your because you know we've gone through. I know I know we, we would say okay. So Tommy Lee Jones and and uh, um, Tommy Lee Jones. these are fucking murders. Right. They're movie. they're both great in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe the forgotten guy. Here is actually David Strathairn. I think he is. He's really good. David Strathairn always always puts in a good performance. Yeah. Um, uh, it, no, matter, no matter how, it's not even that small of a role, honestly. He's William Seward. Why wasn't I consulted? I'm Secretary of State. You 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 informally send a reactionary daughter to. What will happen? Do you imagine when these peace commissioners arrive? We'll hear him out. Oh, splendid. And next, Democrats will invite him up to hearings on the Hill, and the newspapers will. Newspapers, the newspapers will ask why risk enraging the Confederacy over the issue of slavery when they're here to make peace. I've always, I've really liked David oh. Strathairn since Good Night and Good Luck. Yeah. And David Day Lewis ha- has gives the freshest and, a- and apparently most historically accurate portrayal of Abe Lincoln. Everybody always kind of portrayed him before with a booming voice and blah, 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 blah. but historical accounts the very few that are there say that he had a very shrill voice mm-hmm. he carried himself very lightly he was uh, very th- like real fucking thin right like, light as a feather right and just the way he walked the way he the way he spoke you know the, you know that and he had that kentucky by the way of illinois accent that, mm-hmm. that folksy country sound right uh, but he but you know he put a lot of things on because he knew how to connect with people um and he has that effortless charm and charisma in every single scene because of, fucking, of course he does he's daniel day lewis but that you know every every fucking scene is is just gorgeous to look at the scenery the art decoration the costumes the look of dc in the mid 19th century mm-hmm. is a sight to behold the, my favorite thing about the movie is the dialogue i love it when a movie that it takes place in a specific century does its best to use the vernacular of that century yeah. and um and and they they embellish it a bit you know it's almost like the theatrics of being in right. the uh in the 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 capitol building in in that in that great hall where they all debated these amendments and all this shit um God, Lee Pace, <laughs> yeah. hamming it up. Estimable colleagues, two bloody years ago this month, His Highness King Abraham Africanus I, <laughs> our great usurping Caesar, violator of habeas corpus and freedom of the press. Yeah. Like, and and uh, who else? Uh, Speaking, Tommy Lee Jones. Well, you know. and, and speaking of, uh, there's a great, I mean, that's a that, great that sequence. Hot red blood. Them. Right. And he, uh, he, he, 
I'm trying to remember what's the the they try to confront him and and you're like they're trying to convince him or or announce to the world that uh, you know you support equality of the races and he makes that funny comment he goes how could I support equality of the races when standing yeah. before me speaking the moral carcass of the gentleman from Ohio proof that some men are inferior endowed by their maker with dim wits impermeable to reason with cold pallid slime in their veins instead of hot, hot red, red blood. blood oh fuck I love uh, that I love I, I will so say much. so it's funny you mentioned Lee Pace I think the pace of, of the film mm -hmm. is one of the things that's so good about it oh it's, um, it, dude it breezes by yeah. it's two it's, it's two hours and 15 minutes it, it, and it's one of the things it's so fucking rewatchable uh -huh. like when you come when it, I, I have seen Lincoln easily eight or nine times oh, yeah. because it's just a movie that I can put on mm -hmm. when I don't mm -hmm. want to like if I just need to wind down at the end of the night yep. and I don't want to challenge myself <laughs> with either something new or something I've seen before that is challenging for example obviously the night that Brittany and I watched 12 Years a Slave like I needed my full attention on 12 Years a Slave yeah but I don't need my full attention on Lincoln anymore. no you know Lincoln is like reading a book that, uh -huh. that uh, you've read uh -huh. many times before it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good uh, it's a really really good um, well paced, among many other things. Like like so every all the praise that you've heaped upon it, I think that that's also one of the things that helps it so much. That if you can have a film that really doesn't feel its length, because you also don't want it to feel breezy, right? right. You know, you know, like it, it it feels appropriate. Like it you does. Don't, and yeah. you know, the crazy thing is, it does. When it ends, it fucking ends. Right. Because like I remember seeing the theater for the first time, and you know you're in a theater. They're they're in the theater at the theater watching a play, a funny play, and I knew historically in my head okay so you're engulfed in this movie you're you kind of forget the fact that abe lincoln is assassinated right he was assassinated watching a funny play mm -hmm. and john wilkes booth pulled the trigger during a really big laugh like he knew the beats of the play and right he knew when yeah. to do it yeah and um <laughs> uh they but then all of a sudden you see somebody run out on the stage and say the president's been shot and then it cuts over and it's Tad Lincoln. Right. That's that's fucking brutal. Yeah. yeah. So brutal. And I think that's probably a better way to do it anyway. Um it's like the most famous American tragedy. Yeah. Right? Like I mean that's either that or or obviously the assassinations of Kennedy or or, or I consider uh, this the worst. Martin Luther King. I consider I consider well because it was so long ago, but also because of Lincoln's probably Lincoln's well he never really said his intentions for for reconstruction really. But do you think like I could see Lincoln if he had lived, and I don't want to get into a big historical debate of what if, but if he had lived, he could have. It, it wouldn't have been as bad as Andrew Johnson being president. Fuck no. Yeah, Andrew Johnson was a was, but, piece but, of yeah, shit. Yeah, Andrew Johnson. Fuck that but, guy. but that being said, second worst yeah. president. Oh, God damn, it's hard for me to say who the yeah. worst are. Uh, there's a lot of bad presidents. There's a lot of bad. So ones. more um, bad than good. Ar arguably, there aren't any good ones. Um, True. Anyway, um, great movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a really good movie. What did you have any um any other thoughts that you might have picked other than than Lincoln for this category? Um. I know I, there's some movies I really need to watch. Like, I've already seen Goodfellas, but I, I could have covered that one. Um, Although, is that a biopic or is that a based on a true story? That's based or is on a it true both? Story. It's that, both. Well, it, yeah. Actually, that one's both. That's more of a biopic yeah. because it covers his youth. Right. And it's an ensemble, too, in its yeah. own way. But it really, no, actually, that movie's really fucking I think hard. it could qualify for both. I, I think I, it could. I, I think, as we said, a biopic can be based on a true right. story, a based on a true story that was explicitly another, not a Another biopic. one I, I almost did pick. It's from the same year. Is um, maybe I don't know if it's 2012. Was Wolf of Wall Street 2012? Uh, so, 2012 2013. I oh think. my god, that one is a really really good example of some real big embellishments. Yeah, um, but I haven't been able to go back to that one. Oh fuck, I love that movie. It's so good. It's it's excessive. I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know. Uh, I think after I think after a certain point, I got tired of. Mar- I love Marty, but also I'm a little tired of Marty. I don't know. Fine with I don't know. It. I don't know because I, I just feel like I, I just feel like his priorities are sometimes in a bit of an odd place. But he's fucking old. I know. He needs to do coke again. He'll make some really good. Well, shit you know, he coke. he doesn't like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I so. don't care. He's fine. Yeah, he could say that. He's yeah. old as shit. I know. Um, he's fucking. He's like eighty. He's yeah. He's up there. He and he made the Wolf of Wall Street as an old man. I know. I give him major props for that. So, but um, no, that's one of them. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what's yours? So, for based on a true story, I chose one of my all-time favorite films, uh, and what I believe is David Fincher's best film to date, uh, and it is the film Zodiac from two thousand and seven. Who am I speaking with? This is the Zodiac speaking. Is there something I can call you that's a little less ominous? Sam. Sam. Uh, Zodiac is an ensemble cast, though Jake Gyllenhaal gets first billing. I, it's tough for me to consider him the lead in this film because such powerhouse performances from Mark Ruffalo and Robert Downey Jr. Um, are both really, really good in this, and apparently every fucking Avenger imaginable is in this movie. Um, you have great supporting performances, uh, John Carroll Lynch and Elias Codius, who is uh, um, Casey, was it Casey Jones from... Uh, uh, Your instructor's Casey Jones. Right. From Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Cricket, <laughs> uh, Dermot Mulroney is, is that guy just pops up. Yeah, he's in this. He's uh, uh, Robert. De- or, I'm sorry, he's Mark Ruffalo's boss. Um, really Chloe Sevigny. Yeah, Chloe. Is that how you 70, say seventy seven a? I don't know. I, I always knew her from Big Love oh, God, and uh, a couple other things. And oh, she was in. Um, she was in uh, Shattered Glass. She was really good in that. Yes, and she was also um, in a movie called The Brown Bunny, where she gave a guy fellatio for like real. Okay then. Um, it happened. So uh, everybody laughed at her at Cannes. I should. Wow. I'm going to edit that out. Please. It's do. true. I didn't know that. It's just mean. Why did she do that? Art. I don't know. Okay. Um, anyway, this is a, so. <laughs> Maybe this, I'll keep it. Anyway, so uh, this is a great film. Uh, Clea Duvall has a small part actually she in it. Uh, she's in. Um, if I recall correctly, she's in Argo, right? Yes. Yeah. And she has a really funny role in the show Veep. Uh, Ioni Sky apparently. Uh, Ioni Sky's has an in it. Uncredited part in this as uh, Kathleen Johns. I'd have to go back and double check. Uh, I honestly don't remember. I've seen this movie a lot and uh, I don't remember. She, she should have had a better career. Um, yeah, she she probably should have. Uh, but so Donald Logue uh, is great. Yeah. The Patriot, the Tao of Steve. Um, uh, he's great. Yeah. Philip Baker Hall. Philip Baker uh, Hall. <laughs> I love it when that guy pops up and shit. Yeah, uh, Adam Goldberg. Uh, yes. I mean, this is a great, great cast. I was bummed he didn't do more. I love yeah. Adam Goldberg. And then uh, my absolute favorite, absolute, total favorite. I don't even consider him a that guy because I think he's too famous. I don't know. Um, Jimmy Simpson. I yeah, he's not too famous. I don't know. I love Jimmy Simpson. I love Jimmy Simpson. Literally everything. He, I've never watched Jimmy Simpson mm-hmm. in something and been like, oh, that wasn't good. Like, he's great. He's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. He's great. In, in my two favorite things he's done would be Mary Lightly in Psych um, and then uh, fucking his- um, He's in Westworld. He is. Fucking great uh, Westworld. He is, but I absolutely love his one episode arc on Party Down in the season two premiere as like a Marilyn Manson ripoff. It's fucking amazing. I need to watch that show. Oh, God, it's so good. I'll it's watch it. so fucking good. And Someday. Jimmy Simpson's absolutely hilarious. And he's great in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, so Zodiac's really, really good. And it's interesting because it's definitely it's based on a true story, not a biopic here for several reasons. One, it's based on a book by Robert Graysmith, but it's really not about. Robert Graysmith um, that's Jake Gyllenhaal's character is mm-hmm. a cartoonist at the San Francisco Chronicle mm-hmm. um, and of course it follows the Zodiac killings and the investigation and um, I would argue there's really not a main character here by the end of the film Jake Gyllenhaal kind of is by default yeah. the main character 
Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say. And there's him a really, and Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, there's share a really it. great scene at the end of the film where he and he and um, he lays out his case for why he thinks it's um, John Carroll Lynch's character. And um, that guy, dude, the t- the few scenes he's in, Arthur he's, Lee Allen. Arthur Lee Allen. The knives I had in my car with the blood on them, that blood came from a chicken that I killed for dinner. What? I had knives in my car that weekend, maybe Bill saw them and called the other officer. I mean, they make the case, if you're taking that movie as gospel truth, then he's got to be the guy. Right, but... Some people think he's not... uh, There's a a lot of evidence to suggest that he's not the guy. But I could also see, like, he he would just harass Graysmith just because Graysmith bothered him. My my theory... (laughs) He's also a fucking weirdo. Right. My theory on it is that the Zodiac was probably multiple people anyway. Sure. Um, But regardless, that was the type of... So again, we're talking about a uh, pre-DNA era. Uh, Handwriting expertise was sort of um, not... Wouldn't necessarily hold up in court. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what's interesting is I think that the idea behind it is supposed to be that we're never going to fucking know. Um, And that's sort of the point the film makes in a lot of ways that maybe Robert Graysmith's book doesn't make as well. Because Robert Graysmith, while I think he does does leave for the possibility that it's not Arthur Lee Allen, he does kind of land on Arthur Lee Lee Allen as his choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a fair bit of evidence to suggest that he is not the Zodiac. Right. Um, Ted Cruz is obviously the Zodiac. Obviously. Um, uh, (laughs) Obviously Ted Cruz. Future future Supreme Court Justice Ted Cruz. Future Supreme Court Justice and Zodiac Zodiac Killer Ted Cruz. Anyway, um, so this is David Fincher from 2007, which is odd because it's one year before the the dud that I consider Curious Case of Benjamin Button. This, however, was a bit of a financial flop, if I, my memory serves. But so what's interesting about this film is that, uh, among many things, is that it, the cinematography is beautiful and it actually mm. looks a lot like Curious Case of Benjamin Button and they follow a lot of... You know why? David Fincher uses a lot of CGI in places you'd never expect it. Right. So they're doing a scene with Anthony Edwards and, and Mark Ruffalo or mm. on that street after the, the taxi killing. Right. And then I saw like there's a behind the scenes. That's all on a sound stu- a sound stage, right? Blue screen everywhere, and they just add it all in, right? But and it, but it, it brings continuity from one era of San Francisco into another. This it, how many years does that movie span? The attack they first show is sixty is nineteen sixty nine, okay, and then it ends in like ninety one. Well, no, 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 but the but. That's a jump after. It's a huge jump. So yeah, it the, ends in like like really the movie's narrative ends. Uh, I'm sorry, the, like, the story of the characters is like the mid late seventies, right? It was like uh, whenever because it was I, actually eighty three when the uh, really um, yeah. So so Graysmith tracks Robert Lee Allen. No, 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 I'm sorry, I take it back. So eighty three is the last shot of the film. Nineteen eighty three is the last shot of the film, not ninety one. Arthur Lee Allen died, I think, in nineteen ninety one. Yes. Um, the last shot of the film is nineteen eighty three at the Ace Hardware store in fucking Vallejo. Right. Um. Where Robert Graysmith is like, I need to look him in the eyes and know it was him. Yes. That's the last shot of the film. Yeah. Um, which I believe then they call back. Did they call back the Donovan music from the first killing? Uh, um, There's a really creepy, um, well-used music in that. Really well done in the whole film. But in particular, in the first killing, they was used. Was it Hurdy Gurdy Yeah. Hurdy yeah. Gurdy. It's really good. Um, <laughs> and that's playing like blaring yeah. as, as fucking, you know, the Zodiac is murdering these two people. Right. Um, actually, technically only murdering one of them because the other one would then become Jimmy yes. Simpson's character at the yes. end of the film. Um but no, so so, but it, there's that awesome shot of San Francisco changing and like the, You're the right. construction of the transcontinental You're building. Right. You're right. That's just gorgeous. But it but it provides continuity between 
from from one era to the next. It all kind of it all has the same look. In yeah, a way. you're right. It does span into the early '80s, but like the late '70s, that's when um, Paul Avery, who is Robert Downey Jr.'s character, pretty pretty good Robert Downey Jr. performance. Oh, that was um, great. And it was right before Iron Man. I think they might have been he filming the, he, like like the, almost back to back. Yeah, this came out spring of 2007. Yeah. I know because I saw it in the theater, mm-hmm. and I think it was like April, and it was a dud. It was mm-hmm. a bomb. Yeah, it didn't make its money back. Nope. It was a box office flop. I don't fucking know why. The movie has A-listers out the ass, and it's by David Fincher. Well, I think context is important, though. Like, I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal and all three of those guys, while great, yeah. are way more famous now than they were. Ten- Jake Gyllenhaal is coming off of—well, okay, to be fair, yes. Robert Jake Gyllenhaal Johnny- was the most famous of the three at the time. Yeah, and Mark Ruffalo was still two years removed from his first Oscar nomination, and, mm-hmm. and he was still that five years— the kids years- are all right? Yes, okay. and he's five years removed from being Hulk. Right. So, And then there's— um. Robert Downey Jr., who one year later he was Iron Man. Iron Man came out in 08, May of oh eight. So, yeah, it was um, yeah. interesting. But it's a great film. Um, yes. And so uh, I, I think when you take everything into account together, it's incredibly creepy. Um, oh God! One of the most frightening scenes in the film is toward the end, where Robert Graysmith is in um, the basement of. Oh my God! You know the scene I'm talking about. Oh, and you hear the footsteps and shit. Yeah, and you can't tell if it's in Robert Graysmith's head or if yeah. there are actually is there actually another person there. Do you think he saw the film in our theater and was inspired? Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? Would you like to go upstairs and check? That scene is, is fucking horrifying. Uh-huh. Um, and it's all psychological. Uh-huh. Like, there's, there's the, the only people on screen are, are Jake Gyllenhaal and Charles Bleicher. Um, but the whole scene is fucking terrifying. It's really well shot. It's very creepy. And um, I think the most impressive part of this film is that it's really not it's not a horror film. It's really it's, it's a thriller. I'm not even sure it's really a thriller, though. It's it's really a um, I think I like to think of this as more of an investigatory type of film. Yeah. But there it has elements of horror and psychological horror in it. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Uh, the, 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 I mean, there's there's the the use of CGI, as you mentioned. I think the the use of music, um, the performances are excellent. I think David Fincher is again like one of the things he does so well. Mm-hmm. How he seems to kind of check every box and and get such good performances here while being so committed um, to the aesthetics uh, yeah. um, of that. Uh, 70s San Francisco is really really impressive. Um, and then even just like some of the great like the shots are are fantastic. The track that tracking shot mm-hmm. of the taxi. Yeah, yeah. The from, night that the directly the, the driver it. is killed. Yeah, the, the opening shot Fourth yeah. of July with yeah. the fireworks mm-hmm. and all that. I love that. Yep, so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, I love you know what little things I love about that movie is like Robert Downey Jr.'s boathouse. Yeah, <laughs> little boathouse. Right. And then at the end, like he's he's because he's a fucking chain smoker. He's, right. Breathing an oxygen mask. Right. I guess he died of emphysema. I think he actually did die of of. of I think he had cancer. It's a really strong film. The yep. the uh, ensemble cast is great uh, from start to finish. Um, the feel of it from from. I think that's the the immersion. That's the word I'm looking for. The yeah. immersion is about as good as you're going to see in any film. Well, the scariest scene to me is the one by the lake with the two people, yeah. the two young people, and uh, when he starts stabbing them. And mm-hmm. it's not even that... Yeah, you end up seeing some of the stabs, but it's like the ki- the, the people's reaction to yeah. getting stabbed. Yeah, no, it, it, it's actually really well you filmed because it's really... It's a feel it. It's about them. It's not about him. Right. Um, you know, just because people are going to ask, was that thing even loaded?
It's okay. This is all gonna be okay. He starts stabbing that right. girl in the back, and she's right. just screaming. And then it cuts to her being pulled back and stabbed right. in the sorry, right. pulled back and stabbed in the stomach, right, over and over. Good God! Yeah, no, it's a, it's a terrifying scene, and 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 you know, this is where, of course, the juxtaposition is like this gorgeous area. That yeah, in. and it's in the middle of the day, broad right. daylight. Oh, and that's right. So the use of audio is really good in this one. Yeah. Um, so the audio editing is really awesome. So after that scene, you see the guy who actually survives that attack. He's at this point being treated and he's like over by an ambulance and and the sun has gone down, but it's not quite dark yet. Mm -hmm. And you hear the Zodiac phone call yeah. recording. And Goodbye. So, so fucking creepy. Yeah. Um, yeah. They really turn this this. We don't know who the Zodiac is. We're never going to know uh, more than likely who the Zodiac is. Um, if if you at home don't know much about the story, go go do some research on the actual Zodiac investigation. You're gonna be like, okay, we're never gonna figure this yeah. fucking shit out. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Wikipedia uh, T E D space C R U Z, and then hit enter. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's a great film, um, great and, movie, and that's all I've got to say is is that I really I I cannot stress enough how good fucking Zodiac is, and it was like I didn't see it in theaters. This is one I came to late. Um, I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it, but I remember I watched it alone. Oh, God. Uh, I didn't know what I was getting into. I was just like, I, I, I just, I something was, about it looked really appealing. I think I was third wheel on a date. A friend of mine it was like, girlfriend or something. Right. And it was just me, too. So <laughs> Let's uh, go watch this fucking horror movie. Right. All right. So uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, forgive me, Quentin. For I for have I sinned. Sinned? Do you, well, actually, you go first, buddy. Yeah, because I'm not asking, or you're not asking Quentin for forgiveness this week, but but oh, I, I am. am. I, I well, am. I'm asking Quentin okay. for forgiveness. Well, no, 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 but you have a different, you're asking someone else for forgiveness. Well, I'm going to ask you for fucking forgiveness. you got to ask me for forgiveness. Okay. All right, so uh, forgive me, Quentin, for I have sinned. Uh -huh. I have never seen October Sky. Dude, but I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that if this rocket stuff is so important to you, then so be it. As long as you're careful, I guess there's worse hobbies you could have. But, but skipping work, that's out of line, and you got to know that. So let's go and get you right with Jake. It, tell him you'll work the hoot owl shift tonight. No. Coleman's your life. It's not mine. I'm never going down there again. I want to go into space. October Sky is a movie from 1999 starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Chris Cooper, Laura Dern, Chris Owen, some other people that are sort of recognizable. And it's about um, the Rocket Boys. The Rocket Boys. Homer Hickam, who is currently still he's still uh, an engineer for NASA, uh, from um, Colwood, West Virginia. It is mandatory viewing for anybody living in West Virginia. And you know it's funny because it's like the only reason that I, I know so much about the Rocket Boys because Brittany Brittany loves the Rocket Boys and mm -hmm. she's met several of them, if not all of them, at the Rocket Boys festival that she covered a couple of years ago for That's work. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it, it's really cool, and uh, she she loves it. It's like one of her yeah. all time favorite movies. Yeah. I, I've never fucking seen it. Well, it's a great movie. It's a great um, sort of biopic based on a true story. You know, it's 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 based on Homer Hickam. It, it might fall into the category sort of that 
um, we were talking about remember the Titans being mm-hmm. sort of an embellishment. This isn't as egregious, um, but no, it's 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 still it's very wholesome. The movie's right. very wholesome. It's a PG rated movie from 1999, so right. it's a very wholesome. Uh, you got angry Chris Cooper, and it's it's oh still, hell yeah, you got angry redneck coal mine and Chris Cooper dead. I love Chris Cooper. I'll you see know. it. I'll see it. I just fucking for him. hate everything that you represent, son. Like he doesn't literally say that, but it's like that thing, right? You know, and then finally he comes around, but it's great. And he and he and 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 he, Homer Hickam is such a bright kid, really interested in astronomy. It all starts with Sputnik because that was the thing, right? You know, seeing Sputnik, right? You know, they, that's the thing that gets him, that gets him going. But um, I, I think I will, I will likely. I because I think isn't the the Rocket Boy Festival was canceled this year. But I, don't I, I can't remember. No, I'm saying it, it was. I just oh, I can't obviously. remember. It's either August or September. I think that they do it. So I'll, I'll I will give it a watch. Um, um, October, probably very soon. October Sky is an anagram for Rocket Boys. Just so you know. Ah, yeah. I actually did know that. Yeah. Uh, thank again, Brittany. Um, so uh, you're asking for forgiveness. I, well, we, I we talked was. about a couple of options. Well, the, okay. So so the last time, um, I. When we originally tried to do this episode, I had not yet seen uh, a movie that you're gonna you're gonna recommend. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, so thus, it's no longer you no longer need to ask for forgiveness. No, I don't. But in I, fact, I, forgiveness I mean, granted. Thank you. If I could speak for Quentin, yes, go right ahead. Okay. By all means, my recommendation would be October Sky. Okay. So I thought it was funny. My recommendation was going to be your forgiveness and vice versa. Uh, so it's, so technically, say, we've never we've never done that before. No. So and the record remains unblemished after seven episodes. Yeah, I think okay. it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, forgive me, Quentin, for I've sinned. I don't even need to ask Quentin. I need to ask Ch- uh, Chadwick, Bo- Chadwick Boseman for forgiveness. All of my experience watching Chadwick, Bo- Chadwick Boseman is um, from Black Panther and Infinity War and Endgame, and that's really it. I mean, I really hadn't watched anything else. That dude's like he was on a streak of of uh, of prominent his twentieth uh, century, yeah, just like uh, iconic, black people, icon, icon, like icons of. Like, of I black think history. literally outside of Martin Luther King, he played just about every as, God, as many iconic black. You gotta actors. imagine he was in somewhat of the running for. I mean, I didn't think he said sort of chance for Selma, but so sure. he had to have been in the running for it at some point right. down oh, the line. Y- early on. young prominent black actor who's very talented. Yeah, I mean, sure. I'm sure. I, again, I could never see oh, him. He doesn't look a fucking. Family, I know. I could never. <laughs> see him as Martin Luther King like, and of course I can't see that movie David Oloyo was so fucking good uh-huh. I can't see him any other way but anywho 42 get on up and Marshall 42 about Jackie Robinson get on up about James Brown and Marshall about Thurgood Marshall I've seen 42 I thought it was good I have not seen the other two so I, I will similarly ask Chadwick for forgiveness I, I'm going to watch those. I will watch them yeah. I have them all in my queue I'm gonna yeah. watch this shit it's yeah. gonna be good and uh, it's just you know about like the we were talking earlier about his uh, about basically about his streak like the, the dude he was he was well above five hundred in his movies. It's kind of incredible actually. That's a um, strong five year stretch that, that you're is, gonna have. Like who else would have that stretch? What's his fa- okay? What's his face from the seventies? He was always featured in five movies. Every movie he was in was up for best picture at the Oscars. Roy Scheider. No, I have no idea. He died. John Cazale. John Cazale. Yes. Wow. He's only forty two when he died. Yeah, he had cancer. Look look at his filmography. Just go through them. Read them out to me. The Godfather. Yes. As Fredo Corleone. Uh-huh. He's Fredo. The Conversation. Uh-huh. The Best Godfather Part 2. Yep. Dog Day Afternoon. Yep. The Deer Hunter. Yep. Wow. Three of those movies are Francis Ford Coppola movies, by the way. And yeah, you were right. He, he that All was of actually, them were nominated uh, for Best well, Picture. The Deer Hunter it was a posthumous release. Yes. I didn't yep. know that. You ever see The Deer Hunter? I actually haven't. Holy um, shit. And I know because, so I actually love the story of of Michael, Michael Cimino and The Deer Hunter. I love, like... The, the from a Hollywood perspective, uh-huh. there is a fascinating 
fascinating cautionary tale of what happened in his career after the yeah. Deer Hunter. Uh, it's really, really interesting. He and, nosedived yeah, after Heaven's I, Gate. I, and I do think I, I've, I've always kind of wanted to see it. Heaven's Gate? Yeah. Isn't it like four hours long? I don't know, but it's it's supposed I mean, to be. I don't be, have a thing as long movies. It's supposed could... to be. I mean, it's supposed to be really. I mean, he won the Razzie for it. This film lost $40 million. Because I think it's at like the he could have made it without. 1980. He could have made it without making it such a big epic thing mm-hmm. and not have been such a. It, whatever. It's. It anyway. is 219 minutes. So that's three hours and 40 minutes. Fuck that. That's a long fucking movie. And movies back then were all drawn out yeah. anyway. But you know what? Let me read you this cast list. I still kind of want to see this looking at this cast list. This is an amazing cast is list. Is Christopher Walken in it? Yeah. Also, Chris Christopher's yes. in his first build, which is weird to me. But then listen to this. You got John Hurt, uh-huh. Sam Waterston, oh. Brad Dourif, who from the aforementioned Love Lord, that guy. Lord of the Rings. Born in Huntington, West Virginia. Jeff Bridges. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I think that that is a hell of a cast list. I would totally see that. All um, right. Well, Mickey Rourke is in it. Oh, fuck. Willem Dafoe is uncredited and wow. in it. Wow. Holy shit. So what's your recommendation? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, we talked a little bit about Hal Holbrook earlier. Yes. Um, and uh, he is a very big, important character in this, one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it is based on a true story. And, of course, it is incredibly timely at the moment because fuck Bob Woodward. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. I, 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 I'm, I'm, we'll get to that in a second. So uh, All the President's Men, the story of the two intrepid journalists, Woodward and Bernstein, played by uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, uh, Robert Redford, uh, with Dusty Hoffman being first billed because that was the only way they were going to agree to do this together, even How? though they were both A-listers. Um, you know that that's But actually... it was Redford's movie. Like, you know, he he's the one who got, he was a producer on the film. Yes. He's the one who got it actually to be made. I find it funny, too, because they were going to bill Robert Redford ahead of Paul Newman in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, and then Paul Newman threw a fucking hissy fit. Really? Yes. That's... Threw a big ass, or, or no, may... there's some story regarding this. That's funny. That's a... Well, so it's a really <laughs> like so, uh, William Goldman script, fucking masterpiece. That guy's a genius. Yeah, uh, R.I.P. He yeah. just died like last year. Yes, or something. yeah, and he's done some of Hollywood's absolute best. He did, he did Butch Cassidy, uh, Princess Bride yes, as well. Did. I think. Yeah, yep. yeah, he's he is a fucking master or was a master. Uh, Jason Robards, of course, won an Oscar for his performance in this. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good performance. I mean, I don't know if it was Oscar worthy, but it's still good. Jason yeah. Robards is awesome. So, yeah. um, but, uh, so all the president's men is one of my all time favorite movies. And that is my recommendation for this week based on the theme that we're going with around kind of based on a true story, mm-hmm. which, which that one, again, cause we're talking about a short period of time. It covers, uh, it only covers actually a couple of months of the investigation. Yeah. It covers the opening months of the Watergate yeah. investigation. So, uh, that is a, a based on a true story. There are some liberties and licenses that, that were taken. And, uh-huh. uh, that is my recommendation for the week, which, that- that was what I was going to ask for forgiveness for, specifically yeah. you, ask you for forgiveness, because I had not seen it, right. and I just watched it like last week, two weeks ago, Yeah, and um, I thought it was fantastic. It was it was every bit as good as I, I was hoping it would be. Um, I didn't understand why Jane Alexander was up for an Academy Award for it. Odd, She's right? Well, I mean, barely in it. I know. And, and very quiet. Is, so her scene is good. There are two scenes. No, I, well, you're right. There, there are a couple. It's two scenes. No, it's two scenes. I think you're right. It's two scenes. It's the, the first scene is where is where uh, Hoffman, um, yeah. Bernstein gets gets in there for I the first time. I love that scene, by the way. Right. And he's like, he he's writing down on napkins and, uh-huh. and oh, it's a fucking brilliant scene. They're so great. And then the second time when they go they go back uh, with Woodward. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think that's it. She's in two scenes. God. So that is a little bit odd. That's a that's a very Hollywood thing where they're just like, well, this movie was good, and we're too lazy to find other stuff that may have had a better supporting performance. What's the What's the final line of the movie that Ben Bradley Senior? Right. So uh, you know I actually it? wait. Yeah, of course I fucking know. You it. know it by heart. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters, but if you guys fuck up again, I'm going to get mad. It's such a good fucking, it's such a great, great, great scene. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, absolutely love uh, all the president's men. But so I love about that scene, too, is, um, you know, the paranoia that has taken over at this point, because, of course, um, you know, Woodward has had his conversation with uh, with Deep Throat, Hal Holbrook, and yes. he's like, you're being followed, mm-hmm. um, like you're being tailed by the Nixon White House, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, so they go back to Woodward's place and. Uh, they put on that classical music and mm-hmm. then they, they go out into the night and they meet um, Ben Bradley and that's probably, in all honesty, that's probably the scene that Rope got one Robards mm-hmm. the Oscar, yeah, realistically, it's is, gotta is that be final it. scene. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things about this film, though, this is the last thing I'm going to touch on, is that they, they, they used great, amazing audio editing so that the typewriter sounds yep. are laced with um, like gunshot sounds to make it sound more powerful because the theme of the film, of course, is that... that uh, words are powerful and they, yes. they represent a threat. Uh, the other great thing, actually, I lied. So there's one other great thing. I absolutely love every single shot where they, they're like ants. So uh-huh. the, the, all the overhead shots where they're 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 portrayed as ants, but you hear the voiceover in the background of them, their conversation continuing, or them in the car and the overhead shot, and they're just going into traffic. The idea that they yes. were they were just these little fucking like nobodies in this huge, massive, massive conspiracy. Uh-huh. Um, all the president's men is is so good uh, that I actually think that all the president's men. Um, First of all, probably should have won Best Picture in '76 over and Rocky, I, and I love Rocky over Rocky. Yes, okay, I agree. Um, Rocky was iconic, though. I also think so. All the President's Men probably was a pretty big influence on my all-time favorite Marvel film, um, Captain America: Winter, The Winter Soldier, also starring Robert Redford. Right, so good. Yeah, um, they, I think they used. I love how he was like literally the anti Bob Woodward. In right. Movie. Yeah. Speaking he of, was Nixon. Speaking of Bob Woodward, Bob. Bob, buddy. Listen, listen, listen. Great job getting the information. Thanks, man. Here's the thing. Appreciate it. So you did that interview in February. That's and it's September. That's what? How many months ago? Seven months. Seven months. And like, I appreciate as a journalist that you maybe thought you had to vet the information, but when forty-five thousand people died from uh-huh. COVID in the first, like, I don't know, seven weeks. I think that was probably enough information for you to go on to say, mm, probably should release this. I'd really like an explanation from Bob, Wood- yeah, Bob Woodward. I, I, as would I, because I think there's a chance that if he releases this information in May, we probably see some lives that are saved. I, but that being said, I don't want that to tarnish a great film or a great book for that matter. I just Or I'm, a great I'm, journalist yeah. for the most part. The guy's 80 yeah. what now? I think he's 78. But regardless, look, regardless... Um, yeah, but then what has he got if he's just saying it's just his word? And to those people, mm-hmm. to Trump's people, oh, they're just journalists. They lie right. anyway. So uh, regardless, I'm, I am a little annoyed with Bob Woodward at the moment, especially because I will tell you that I idolized this man um, growing up and wanting to become a journalist and seeing this movie. And, and you know, uh, as as uh, Aaron Eckhart so beautifully puts in The Dark Knight, either you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And God Bob Woodward, I think today you might be the villain. Well, he's not the villain. He's not Trump. That's the villain. I know they say don't shoot the messenger, but in this case, Bob... You could have done better, buddy. You could have done better. All right, so that's my that's my recommendation. All the president's men, uh, don't let Bob Woodward's recent actions tarnish 
what is a masterpiece of a Very film. Uh, Robert Redford, Dustin Hoffman, Jason Robards, and apparently Jane Alexander. So uh, my recommendation is All the President's Men. Great movie, and I'm, I'm, I highly recommend it. If you've never seen it, please go check it out. It is your civic duty yes, it to is. check it out. Ryan, we, we've reached that time. It's that time. So uh, let's very quickly, before we go, because we talked a little bit about our plans moving forward, because this has been a bit of a hiatus for us. Yeah. Um, you know, life has gotten in the way. Life does that. Um, life finds is, a way. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. That's but, what John uh, Lennon but, said. But I'll tell you what, the movie spiel finds a way. We fucking do. So yeah, that was our biopic based on a true story uh, mega episode. Um, so that's going to be it for us and for episode cool. seven. Uh, we'll see you next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Alex. You've listened to the movie spiel. Bye. Bye.